Hello, welcome to episode 11 of the Lord of the Dance Set Tea podcast. This might be a quick podcast. Who knows? Let's have a wait till we get to the end before we find out. We're approaching the end of the tour. I've recorded the DVD now and uh, just going into the last 10 shows of the tour. There's always there's one at the end as well in September when I'm doing all of my 12 shows in six weekends at the Leicester Square Theatre. Do go to leicestersquaretheatre.com if you want to buy tickets for any or all of those. Uh, but yes, it's 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 nearly at an end. Uh, and just sort of coasting down. Having done the DVD, you're always afraid that you'll come up with some brilliant new joke or brilliant new routine uh, in, in within a routine because, uh, of course, it will never be recorded now. But it might be for this podcast, I suppose. So that that's some incentive for me to keep working on the show. Uh, if you want to come and see me, I'll quickly run through the remaining gigs. There's, uh, I'm on Taunton on the 22nd of May, Swindon on the 23rd of May, Borden, don't even know where that is, on the 28th of May, Redhill on the 29th, Southport on the 30th of May, uh, then Eastbourne 6th of June, Bridport 11th of June, and uh, Ulverston on the 20th of June, and there's one more, Hebden Bridge. On the 30th of June, Richard Haynes' Leicester Square Theatre podcast is starting again as well. So that's from the 1st of June at the Leicester Square Theatre. Got some fantastic guests coming up for that, including Bob Mortimer, Limmy, Louis Theroux, Robert Webb, Emma Kennedy, Mark Watson. They called him Mark Thomas. I mustn't do that when he's when I'm actually talking to him. Robin Ince, Bridget Christie, Roisin Connerty. The list goes on. Anyway, let's crack into that favourite bit. You all like the bit. It'll let you know where I went in the week we're talking about now. And it's sort of the end of April, second half of April. I'm taking you through the gigs there. It was a little disparate run. There wasn't uh, too many in a row. Here's what I said about the local areas in their local claims to fame. It's one of, it's one of the listeners' favourite bits of the podcast. I'm imagining no one's emailed me or said anything about any of the podcasts to me ever. I don't think anyone even listens. Doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, has it worked? Has it got people to come and see the show? I don't know. It's a nice little extra, though, if you did come and see the show, I hope, to have this behind-the-scenes look at what's been going on. Here are the claims to fame and where I was, the four gigs that I'm going to discuss in this podcast. Richard, we are from Harlow. There we have many more impressive things here than that story. Rupert Grint is from Harlow, Richard. He is the ginger one from Harry Potter. He is not the best one in that. He's the other one from Harry Potter. He is from Harlow, so it takes more. The 2010 Bowls champion, Steve Mitchinson, is from Harlow. Richard. So it takes more than that, too. We have a skate park down next to Burnt Mill School. What's more interesting, we have a school called Burnt Mill School. I mean, that is, what's the story there? Did they burn the mill down to build the school, or is there just... Or was there just a burnt mill? Thought we could put a school in that. It's not making any flour anymore. It's a more interesting story than the skate park, some would say, but we're very proud of our skate parks in there since early 2010s. Amazing we can learn on Wikipedia. Imagine that. I mean, that's how bad a town is that your skate park is on Wikipedia. That is, that is one of your most notable. Then, no, not even that would impress you. No. It takes more than that to impress us in Harlow. We are from Harlem. It's the sculpture capital of Essex. <laughs> More sculptures here. I love sculptures. So, um, very proud of our sculptures. So, um, no, does that not impress you tonight, Bristol? No, that doesn't impress us. In Bristol, we're from Bristol, Richard. It takes more than that to impress us. Darth Vader went to Bristol Grammar School, Richard. So it takes more 
It makes more than that. I mean, it was the guy inside dives, Dave Prowse. He was the guy. He didn't, for some reason, voice Darth Vader, which is a shame. <laughs> I would have liked to see that, but the, it takes more than that to impress us. The Green Cross Man, Code Cross Man, he went to Bristol Grammar School as well. Was, that was also Dave Prowse. Was, there we got more people. Justin Lee Collins is from Bristol. So. Uh, but it's, in 2008, Bristol got to the finals of the European City of Culture. And they didn't win, Liverpool won, which is a kind of smack in the face. And that's like... That's some, kind of the most insulting thing you could... So it takes more than that to impress. 2,000 slave ships left Bristol in just 100 years, so it takes more... It takes more than that. These tracks with loads of slaves. Most of them, so it takes more than that. This is a city built and this whole uh, theatre is named after a slave owner. So it uh, takes more than that. We don't even care. We haven't even changed the name. Because we're proud. We're proud of that. I mean, it's not politically correct. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> no, does that not impress you here in Monmouth? No? No, that does not impress us in Monmouth, Richard. We're from Monmouth. It takes more than that to impress. Russell Grant, the astrologer, lived in Monmouth, Richard, so it takes more. We saw him around the town. It takes more than that to impress us. Parts of Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen were recorded in Monmouth. Not all of it, just some, some parts of it. Geoffrey of Monmouth is from Monmouth, Richard. That is, he liked Monmouth so much, he put Monmouth in his name. That's how much he liked. Almost sarcastic, isn't it, to call himself, I'm Geoffrey of Monmouth. He, he wrote the early history of Britain that was all completely made up. That is, he, that is, he invented the King Arthur legend, basically, just by lying. That is what, so it takes more than that. We have the oldest working theatre in Wales. It's over five years old, Richard, so it's... <laughs> No, even that does not impress you here. It doesn't impress us in Monmouth, Richard, because Henry V from Agincourt was born in Monmouth Castle. So it takes... That is genuinely impressive. We have one king who was born I'm from London. Fucking loads of kings were born there, so... No, does that not impress you here in Cleveland? No, that doesn't impress us here in Cleveland, which we got a lot more impressive things here in Cleveland. The first mass production of penicillin occurred in Clevedon, Richard, in the 1938. I mean, it was just there was a lot of dirty place around, but we, that was... So it takes more than that. Arthur Hallam is buried in Clevedon, Richard. He was Tennyson's friend who he wrote uh, in memoriam of AHH for. So we, it takes more than you didn't know that, did you, about your own town? It takes more than that. We have a superhero in Clevedon called Captain Clevedon. I can't believe that is true, but that is... That is on Wikipedia. Tuppence Middleton comes from... From Clevedon, that film starts with the stupidest name. Her first name means vagina, Rich. That is, you know, Tuppence Middleton. But part of Remains of the Day was filmed in Clevedon. We have a lot of fun. I know a lot about Clevedon, don't I? Then, no, not even that would impress you in Clevedon. No. David Bryant, the three times outdoor world bowls champion, is from Clevedon, Richard. So it takes more than that. He's the most famous bowler in the world. Definitely. He's from Clevedon, there we go. So the first gig in that run was in Harlow in Essex. I've had a really good time in um, the Essex gigs on this tour. And I think I was a little bit prejudiced against Essex, although I love always love playing Colchester. Had a great time in the South End. Uh, and I don't remember playing Harlow before. I think we might have played it as Lee and Herring. And it's a nice big theatre, but uh, like uh, less than 100 people had come to see me. Near, you know, nearly 100. It's, the numbers have been holding up okay. 
but uh, they were a fantastic audience, and I think I was a little bit weary and down before this before this gig again, worried it wasn't going to be all that good, but I did have a lovely time, uh, and uh, I came on and did a rubbish joke. Here it is. I hope you it's like a dad joke, because I'm now a dad. very much. Hello, Harlow. Hello. Hello. I'm enjoying myself there. By the fact your name sounds a bit like hello, hello. That's it. That's that's all. That's I can take the rest of the night off. <laughs> Not as much as Harrow, though. Hey, you must be really pissed off about them when it comes to the Chinese man saying hello, town name. They've got you beat there. So welcome to the show. At least I enjoyed that one, and that is the the main thing, as I understand it. Um, as far as I recall, not much happened apart from that in this particular show that was different. And, and I think as the tour progresses, it'll be harder to find bits that are particularly original. And I keep returning to the same tropes. Certainly at the end of each half, I kind of end up doing the similar bits and pieces. And in Har Harlow, I wanted to call it Harrow. See, that's the problem when you do a joke like that. And I'm sure I must have done that within the actual show itself. That's the danger. When places sound similar, you end up. I'm confusing where you are. I've done that a couple of times on this tour. I'm getting old. Uh, I return to the familiar trope of Adam's family pinball. I hope it's not boring you too much, but this was a diff slightly different scenario because I had been playing it before the gig and was having a really good go. And then I had to come on and do the gig, and I admitted that at the end of the first half, as you will see. So I hope you had a good time so far. There's an interval coming up. I'm very excited because I'm playing Adam's Family Pinball on my uh, iPad. And uh, just before the game, just before the show started, I was like about uh, 50, it sounds like a lot, I was about 50 million off my high score, but that isn't very much. Uh, so I'm hoping that I can go back and I'll let you know how it goes. Uh, I'm hoping I can beat my high score during this interval. And that would be, so I've got to get over 790,000 million, sorry. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, there's a little way to go. But uh, it'd be very exciting for me. So maybe it's how I spend myself. So I want you to be thinking of me. Just, I hope he's done it. I hope he's hit your cousin in. I hope he's done that. Uh, so any fans of Adam Family Pinball in? Just by cheering, Simon. It's unlikely on the demographic we've got there. Because <laughs> I thought the whole second half I would just do Adam Sonny Pinball based observations. So if you, if you don't like Adam Sonny Pinball, probably don't come back for the second. It's mainly just going to be... Or just download it and play it for a bit and then you'll get some of the references. Anyway, I don't, I don't know why I'm wasting time because I could be playing Adam Sonny Pinball right now. I'm not, you know, it's not like the show's an inconvenience in my life that stops me playing Adam's Funny Pinball. It's a bit like that. Because, like, I'm not, I'm not going to be in the zone. I'm, it's just, I'm, no. I'm going, I'm going, I'll go back there and do it. See you in a bit. I'll uh, be at 20 minutes. Cheers. Bye. <laughs> oh, they're very nice. Tiny crowd. Got they are, they're good. Oh. I will, but I'm just going to G myself up. Keep everyone away from my door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that should be long enough. So a bit of backstage magic and chat there with Giles the Cannibal. My current tour manager never can be sure that he's going to make it to the end. I've got through so many tour managers this time. It's like Spinal Trap Drummers, Spinal Tap Drummers. Uh, ruin that joke by messing up. That's always the danger. So what would happen? 
Well, the audience got to find out at the start of the second half, and so will you. Quite a comp- I got, uh, I got my, I got my high school, but it's an, I'm a not. I'm still upset because uh, I got 920 million. Uh, yeah, don't laugh as if that's bad. That's good. And uh, I, I, there was an extra ball available, and I, I could have got over a billion if I just. Then I just, I just tanked it. I just. The stress got too much. Uh, so I'm very disappointed. I'm, going to, I'm not even going to try in the second half. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you were trying in the first half? Uh, so before we crack on, uh, it's, still a, it's still a high score. It's still good, right? Uh, and you can always say that can be on the Wikipedia page if I don't beat it. For the moment, I'll put it up on the Wikipedia page. Uh, it was here in Harlow. <laughs> Richard Herring achieved his highest ever score on Adam's Family Pimble. <laughs> See, I know you called it Harrow again, did you notice? But I, I managed to cover it. <laughs> I don't think anyone spotted it. Uh, weirdly, I've just, I'm now in Sutton Coldfield. I was in Wrexham last night and uh, the same thing happened, except it was over the, the interval. I'm sure you'll hear in a future podcast if I keep going. Um, I had to stop at the end of the first, in, the interval and then go back on stage when I really wanted to carry on with my game. And I did break my record again, but only by a little bit. It's very frustrating. I, I'm, I'm figuring people aren't quite as interested in Adam's Family Pinball as I am. That is my slight guess uh, on this at the moment. I suppose the other big news uh, occupying me at the moment is the fact that I'm not going to the Edinburgh Fringe. Instead, I, as I mentioned at the start of this podcast, I am staying in London and doing all 12 of my previous Edinburgh shows, well, 11 previous ones and one new one at the Leicester Square Theatre on Fridays and Saturdays throughout August and September there's lots of incentives to come to that. You get cheaper tickets if you buy to three different shows, then cheaper for six. There's only £100 to buy tickets to all 12 shows, uh, and you get a hand-drawn T-shirt that I will have made personally myself, though I seem to have a lot of those to do. I'm not sure when I'm going to have time to do all these things. The Kickstarter campaign we did for Rich Chains' Lesser Square Theatre podcast has been successful, though Chris Evans forgot to include VAT, so we are a little, falling a little bit short as it happens, but we'll make that up somehow. Uh, and... Uh, Part of that is to, for me to design T-shirts. They don't take me long to do, but I've got a lot of them to do. Uh, and a lot of people are coming to all 12 shows already. So if you want to come to any and see any of my old shows, let me see if I can remember what they were called here and now. I did Christ on the Bike, Talking Cock, The 12 Tasks of Hercules Terrace, Someone Like Shoggart, Menage Un, uh, Oh Fuck I'm 40, The Headmaster's Son, Hitler Moustache. And I think I redid something, didn't I? Maybe redid Christ on the Bike after that. What is Love Anyway? And I did redid Talking Cock again, so that doesn't count. Uh, and after that I did We're All Going to Die and then I did Lord of the Dance Seti and then I did the new show we called Happy Now uh, anyway, um, I don't know, Google's thinks I'm talking to it uh, so I'll just read you a bit of the Metro column that I wrote about that uh, it was about filming the DVD and then I'm uh, talking about the tour I've had my fair share of mishaps on this tour I cut my shin open trying to jump over the arm of a sofa that was at the Battersea Arts Centre which subsequently burnt I think the room I was in may have burnt. I dropped and smashed my sat-nav, though I was secretly pleased as it gave me an excuse to buy a more up-to-date one. And I literally lost my trousers. Boring, they slipped off the hanger without me noticing somewhere between the car and the gig in Edinburgh. Or at least that's what I'm telling my wife, because it's true. It's not quite over. There are still these ten more performances to go around the country, but the next show is beginning to occupy my mind. I'm dreading not having any new jokes or ideas for it. I would be dreading it more if it wasn't always the case at this time of year. All I know about it is it's going to be called Happy Now and will be about the future, futile pursuit of contentment 
and ask if comedians need angst and depression to be amusing. Unusually, though, I will not be premiering this show at the Edinburgh Fringe. Instead, I'm performing a season of all 11 of my previous one-man shows at the Leicester Square Theatre in August and September, culminating with this new one. I said that a bit more succinctly than I did to you. I've been to the Edinburgh Fringe nearly every year since 1987, so the decision to give it a miss was not taken lightly, but last year I found the experience exhausting and expensive. The straw that broke the camel's back was paying a man £3,000 to stay in his horrible toilet brushless fat flat for 30 days. Too many people are on the take. The Edinburgh Festival is still a great place to go as a young comedian hoping to get some experience or for a TV comedian hoping to cash in on their fame, but the acts in the middle are being squeezed out. It's terrific that the free fringe is going from strength to strength as it gives comics a chance to put together shows without risking losing cash and punters a chance to take a punt on something new without necessarily having to pay a penny. And it's now so difficult to get discovered or even reviewed that I hope acts will take part in this fringe of the fringe just to become better at what they're doing. It means they can take some chances, but if established acts start taking those free spots, then new acts will have to have a free fringe fringe where audiences actually get paid to attend the shows. Maybe the internet is a more relevant medium for ambitious new comedians. Rather than spending thousands of pounds on a fringe show that no one will see, spend it on making your own TV show that you can put on YouTube for the whole world to see. Personally, I realised that if I stayed at home this summer, I could save on rent, sleep in my own bed, have my own toilet brush, and spend daytimes with my daughter instead of paranoid, drunk, depressed comedians. It was a no-brainer. Though maybe in August I'll be adrift and miss those cobbled Edinburgh streets paved with my broken dreams. Interestingly, someone told me that they'd, a PR agent had tried to take them on, explaining that they would you know, be charging whatever, £2,000 for the, or several hundred pounds for the month. Uh, but they couldn't guarantee that they would even get one review. So that's the, that's the kind of place it's getting to now. So I'm hoping that... Um, the fringe will become less geared towards all of that and uh, get back to being people trying stuff out and, and getting better at what they do. But that doesn't feel right for me. So I'm sorry that some people are disappointed I won't be at the fringe, but I have done most of them <laughs> since 987, and I think it probably was time to have a break, whether I was going badly or well. Uh, but uh, I think last year did give me the final push to say, Let's do something different. And I'm really looking forward to doing all of these old shows again. I think it's going to be a bigger challenge. Uh, and I am slightly scared about writing a new show. But I think happiness will be uh, an interesting um, subject. Because, you know, I, I'm sort of happy, I think. I'm very happy with my daughter. I'm enjoying making her laugh. It's the best thing in the world. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that has effects on my comedy. Like it did in Harlow when I did that Harlow joke. Maybe it will. Who knows? But the next step on and the next stop on the tour was uh, Bristol at the Colston Hall. I'd already played Bristol once on this tour at the Tobacco Factory, so it was nice to return. Both of these gigs sold out incredibly fast to the point of view that I sort of think, why am I playing such small gigs in Bristol? Maybe I could sell a thousand tickets here. Who knows? So whilst I was at the Colston Hall, I was in the small room, which is called the Lanterns, which still there, 250 people there. Uh, and uh, Bristol was genuinely one of my favourite places to play. I always have a lovely time there. Peter Lord, who created the Ardman Studios and Morph, was in the audience. That's one of my first celebrity spots of the whole tour. But I reserved um, my opening comments for the fact that, unlike my erstwhile partner Stuart Lee, I was not playing the big room. He was there the next day, I believe. Just, uh, you know, just haunting me like a ghost to remind me of what was and what could have been, and what could be, one day. Hello Bristol! How are you doing? It's great to be here at the Colston Hall. That's where I'm playing. Don't let anyone tell you any different. <laughs> Maybe next year, we'll see. Well, bring like four or five friends with you next year. We can, we can do this, it'll be fine. 
as you'll have spotted from the other podcasts you've been listening to the whole series, I do mess around a bit at the end of the first half. This is where um, most of the differences come now. As we're getting longer into the tour, it's kind of less either things that change. I can't really play to you without spoiling the whole show. Uh, this little clip has a couple of minor spoils about what happens at the end. Uh, but uh, but also, you know, the thing becomes more solid and and there haven't been, uh, luckily, as many instances of hecklers or weird things happening. It's kind of nice to do the show properly. Uh, but as I discuss at the end of the Bristol gig, you know, I am trying to find the perfect end to the first half. I quite like the fact it changes every time uh, and never quite the same. Those similar things crop up. Um, there are a couple of very mild spoilers, as I say, in this bit, but this is me discussing how my new ad-lib bit at the end of the show that you won't hear has gone all right, but not that great. And this is how I get out of the first half at Bristol. <laughs> Keep on trying to add bits to the end of this, because it's the last routine in the, in the first half. And, you know, it'd be nice to go out on a big laugh, but it's, it's always like a little dip down, so... Keep trying that new little bits at the end there. That one, that one did quite well compared to some of the, the international non-non-wazic day, but it went pretty well. Not well enough, though. So uh, here we are. <laughs> Coming up to uh, my next year's show, Richard Herring is one step ahead of the Wazics. what everyone says about me. Uh, so um, we're coming up to an interval. Uh, you can have a drink or a wee or do anything you want. It's about within a 15 to 20 minute train time frame. So about four times, I reckon, you can manage as a young man. So uh, that is... A young man in the front row. So, uh, it's, uh, uh, so uh, if uh, I'll be back in about twenty minutes, uh, I might there might be a pop quiz. I might ask in the second half: Is there an International Men's Day? It might be a trick question. And if there is one, what day is? Don't go there. There, there would never be one, would there? Because of political correctness, come on. Well Good, you have learned. A man saying, "I never." Yeah, well done. <laughs> well, it, it is November the ninth. You get a prize. You have to go uh, down, down to Cabot Circus and there's a prize waiting for you down there. You go. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'll see you in about 15, 20 minutes. You've been lovely so much. Thank you. Oh, yeah, it's all good. I'm also enjoying these little exasperated sounds I make as I come off stage, which are involuntary. That one was more of a yawn, like, oh, yeah. I think, it, you know, you're just concentrating so much. Uh, and then as you just suddenly relax as you come off stage, you either something comes out like, oh, God. It doesn't mean I'm not having a good time. I was actually really loving this Bristol gig. It was one of the... Bristol's always fantastic. And, and the actual Colston Hall, which I was in, and not just the Lantern Rooms, I was in the Colston Hall, uh, is, is a great venue. So I was enjoying this very much. But there were a couple of fun bits in the second half of the show. Uh, this first one comes from when I'd spotted this kid at the end of the first half. I did uh, refer to, to him in the audience. It was hard to see how old he was. So as I, uh, he was the one I did that quite cheap wanking joke to you may have enjoyed. Um, and uh, I spotted him and asked him how old he was, as you'll see. And uh, this is what transpired then. Uh, so before we, um, before we crack on, uh, I will just do a quick commercial break. Uh, I'll be in the, just outside there. There's a thing out there. I'll just be out there. Uh, I'm very happy to uh, sign your programme, say hello. Could do a selfie. That's what you youngsters do. Like selfies. How old are you? 12. 12? <laughs> Fuck me, that's much too young. Much too young to see this show. I have to get you, probably have to get you chucked out. (laughs) 
Could we get security in? <laughs> 16, you have to say 16. So, uh, it's, uh, uh, I'll be uh, selling, so you do selfies. Have you got a, did your mum let you have a phone? No? Good one, well mum. Uh, <laughs> she's the worst mum in the world, right? When, when will there be an International Children's Day? That's what I want to know. <laughs> and if you've seen the show, that was a very clever callback to something in the first half, that final comment. There was actually, I met a 10-year-old boy in the audience who I saw uh, after the gig. So, uh, the show's a little bit about that age as well, so it's kind of maybe apt. I don't think it's um, too rude a show for youngsters. And as I discussed, actually, with the, with one of the parents after this show, uh, as a kid, I did listen to A, Monty Python and their, their records, some which were rude, but also Pete and Dud. I used to listen to a lot of their stuff, and uh, that was filthy. And I was probably 12 or 13 then, so I think, you know, you know these words exist as a 12-year-old. I think if you're tuned in, my only worry with this show is that it wouldn't be that interesting to a, a kid because it's sort of about being middle-aged. But, um, you know, again, I think someone with the comedic sensibilities that I had as a as a 10 and 12-year-old, I think, still would have enjoyed this show. I think I would have enjoyed it, but then it would have been weird because it was partly about me, so that would have... It's hard for me to judge. Um... And I always liked that. We had a very young fan base, obviously, when we were first on TV. But I remembered being a, a young teenager and a teenager fan of comedy. And my taste was impeccably good. And I was it was so important to me uh, in my life, much more important than music, as I discuss in this very show. So uh, I wish I could have gone and seen some of the acts that I loved uh, as a 12-year-old as a on stage. I presume I could have done if I'd got my act together. Um, but uh, so yeah, I think they enjoyed it, and it's fun. It's always fun to find a kid in an audience when the, most of the audience are adults and say inappropriate things, as I did there. Uh, but another slightly unusual thing happened during the bit from where I just explained that I'll be uh, back in the foyer and selling a couple of my DVDs and whatever, and happy to say hello to people, which I always am after gigs uh, to do photos and so on, as I explained there. Uh, so uh, during the uh, and this, I'll put this bit on because I think most of you will be familiar with this particular routine. This uh, is where I discuss the fact that there's a lot of old wives' tales about the size of the man's penis being equivalent to the size of his hands, which is bad for me because I have very small hands. You know whose hands my hands are like. But this is an unusual incident that happened during that particular bit. I went to Harry Potter World before a couple of years ago. They've got the handprints of the young stars. Like, you can put your own hands into the concrete at the front of the uh, this, this, the place. Uh, I promise you this is true. My hands are the exact same size and shape as Hermione's from Harry Potter. I'm a, I'm a hand twin, which is good because if the comedy dries up, I can travel the country providing a different service for for gentlemen. You'd you'd pay for that. I can see when you like if you closed your eyes. That is the exact same experience. the adult Hermione. What is wrong with you people tonight? I'm not, I'm not going to start wanking off blokes who want to be wanked off by the child Hermione. I'm not catering for perverts. Just many want to be wanked off by a man with the same size hands as the adult Hermione. Normal men. Someone's just thrown me their wallet. That's good. I'll keep that. Thank you. Seriously, there's lots of uh, strange thing to do. Uh, thanks, I guess. You're not getting it back, so uh... <laughs> this is a slow, a slow acting sort of bomb of some kind. It's that easy. He'd be looking at what that shows is how easy it would be just to have killed me there. That could have been a hand grenade. That's the security I have. 
This time it was a wallet with someone's cash card in it. He's called uh, Jack, the man who threw this. His, if you want to give him a ring, his mobile number is 0787. Beep. It's got a debit card. Expires in 2016. Very, there is no money in here. There is... Johnny, it's a rubber Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> what, is this, what is this? Oh, it's a little thing for your computer. That's got child, probably got child porn on it. We can have a, <laughs> literally just no money at all. Where are you? You idiot. <laughs> and I did give him his wallet back in the end. It was a funny joke, and I can give you his phone number if you like the sound of the kind of man who just throws his wallet. I think he, the idea was he was willing to pay me to wank him off with my Hermione hands, which, you know, bit, that's a bit weird. It's only a joke. I'm not really going to do it, so it says more about him than it does about me. After the show, we hot-footed it back to London. I think I had a day off, and then uh, and then I was back on the, down the M4. There was a lot of roadworks on the M4, and uh, Giles was getting very upset about all having to drive around the back roads. Got a bit lost. Gets a bit angry, doesn't he? Are you awake now, darling? Okay. Uh, and then and the next day I was in Monmouth where I did one of my trademark slightly morose roundups of how things are going. Do bear in mind that this is just the way you are before a gig, a little, just a little bit. Uh, your energy goes out to you a little bit as you prepare for the show. I am very happy that this was, you might as well listen to this, this is how I summed up what, how things were going up to this stage in the tour. Backstage at Monmouth, the Savoy Theatre, the oldest working theatre in Wales, possibly. And uh, it's been, uh, this is the last gig for a little while. I've got like a week and a bit off after this, so it's, uh, it's been all right. This is the last gig in April, I think. So, um, which has been a tougher month than March, or certainly smaller venues and smaller audiences on the whole. Uh, but I seem to have got through it. Uh, intact, despite being a bit tired in the middle of the month. I, uh, uh, they've been enjoying the gigs. The gig in Bristol last night was especially good fun at the Colston Hall, Lantern Rooms. Uh, and uh, Chris Evans, not that one, has been is coming to the see the show tonight uh, and has brought some more merchandise for me to sell after the show, so that's nice. But, uh, yeah, feeling in quite good spirits. There's less than 20 gigs to go now in the tour. Um and the DVD coming up in a couple of weeks, so uh, no, not much time to change anything. There's still a few bits I want to work on. I'm still sort of feeling the the sombrero routine could be better. Um, still feeling like I could come up with a better end for the second half, but it's kind of fun to be dicking around with these bits and finding out what we can find out. But um, Excitingly, in my dressing room in Monmouth is a trap door that goes up to the stage, which I'm sort of tempted to open up and jump through later on. There's a, there's a sofa underneath it, or a chair underneath it, so I could land, disappear, like, magically. I think the people of Wales would enjoy that. Yeah, there's um, 125 or so people in tonight, which is better than I was expecting, to be honest. It's uh, probably a 300, 400-seat theatre, so that's still a small amount of the audience, but... Um, it was looking a lot worse than that a few weeks ago, so uh, that is an acceptable number. Uh, yeah, hope you're enjoying listening to the podcast. Ooh. So there we go. Just a little bit of a weird lull before the storm, but it was a nice gig. I'll play you the very opening where I attempted 
uh, a poor, again, another poor dad joke that clearly is getting to me uh, and uh, the audience didn't uh, go for it, but it was something that I'd been doing to myself all day. Uh, and uh, I don't know if there's much else from this gig that was particularly exciting. We'll find out when I listen through. I'm listening through to this at the same time as you. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Lord of the Dance City. It's Richard Herring. How are you doing? Mon mouth. I'm going to pretend you're my mouth. That is what I'm. That's that's how I've been amusing myself today. Uh, I've been very delighted to be here at the Savoy Theatre. Where this afternoon, I'm sure many of you came to see Hugless Douglas. Was the anyone see Hugless Douglas? This after yeah, so it was double bill of me uh, and a bear that can't get any hugs. I am happy to hug everyone uh, after the show, so I just wanted to know that. I never did find out who did best, me or Hugless Douglas, in terms of audience terms, but it was a lovely gig in a beautiful theatre. Nice to see Chris Evans, not that one, or that one, again. Uh, and, uh, and again, another long drive home for Giles the Cannibal. Uh, and then uh, there was a week without doing any gigs, and then I had to drive myself to Clevedon, again, back, back up the M4, near to Bristol. But in fact, I did, I've just found I did another backstage morose summing up how things were going, perhaps forgetting I'd done one in Monmouth the week earlier. And that pretty much explains everything you need to know about how I felt before this gig. Uh, and uh, I just explained it all but I'm, I'm in this, but I'm going to obliterate what I just said and let you listen to me backstage. All right, backstage in Clevedon. Um which uh, is in North Somerset. I kind of thought it was closer to Bristol than it is. It's, it's sort of near Bristol. I'm, I should know. I grew up very near here. Um, and so I think it might be a slightly weird gig, but we will see. Um, it's uh, I'm a bit hungover today. It's been a little while since I've done the show. So uh, I'm feeling a bit worried that uh, I'll mess it up. But uh, in quite good spirits. Uh, aside from that, uh, I'm on my own. I had to drive here by myself. Um, the annoying thing is my suits that all fitted me lovely just before Edinburgh and during Edinburgh, even were a bit loose in Edinburgh, is now getting a bit too tight to do up, which is a worrying development. So I've been slightly putting on weight since having a baby, um, and hopefully I can arrest that and uh, sort it out. The DVD records in two weeks' time. So it'd be nice to be uh, lose a couple of kilos for that, but we'll see. But I'll just do the show with my uh, with my suit undone, which might be nicer anyway. We'll see. Um, and uh, don't think there's much else to say. This is like a cinema. I'm not sure they've done comedy before. Uh, it's run by volunteers who all seem very nice. Um, slightly worried about having to drive home after this gig it's like a two and a half hour drive uh, and I'm a bit tired but I'm sure I've had a big kef- cafetiere of coffee which I don't usually do at gigs hello Hi. are we ready to go we're just clearing the last few from the bar okay cool good come and give me great lovely thank you um, so yes we will uh, we'll see how it goes They're just clearing the last people from the bar. It looks like a nice 
town. I'm worried that I won't remember the facts about Clevedon. We'll see what comes up. Or I might forget where I am. I think it'll be okay. It's, it's a slightly weird thing. There's a very high stage, and because it's a cinema, uh, the seats are a little way away from the stage, and it's a big high ceiling, so I think this might be a toughish gig to do. Um, and we sold about 100 tickets, I think, for a 300-seater. So, um, yes, we'll see. It's all what touring's all about. Um, next week I've got my last major jaunt uh, away from home. I'll go up north to Leeds and Shrewsbury and Peterborough and Stockton. So uh, we're sort of approaching the end of it all. It's been quite good fun. hope you've enjoyed these podcasts. And uh, seeing what it's like being a middling comedian on the road. From the highs and the lows. We'll see if tonight... The, the funny thing about <laughs> the gig is that uh, there's no backstage area. Uh, and so I've got to kind of basically announce myself as I'm coming on. Uh, and then there's some just like almost a ladder to get up onto stage but it's, it's wooden steps but it will be quite hard to make an entrance but we may have some fun with that we'll see I'm annoyed about my suit this is worse than losing the trousers isn't it amazing that's two and a half three months being a dad I lost some weight in the first month and uh, I've put it and a lot more back on. I'm still 10 kilos lighter than I was 17 months ago, but I'm uh, six or seven kilos heavier than I was uh, in August. So uh, it's that yo-yo diet that will lead to my death by heart attack in my mid-50s. At least I've got kids. A nice back reference there to all the We're All Going to Die fans who might be listening in uh, now. Uh, and uh, here it is. Here's the entrance to that show. See if you can pick up me climbing up a ladder to get on the stage and my discomfort at doing so. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Lord of the Dance City. It's Richard Herring. <laughs> Thank you. It's hard to. Uh... Thank you very much. You can take that down now. Thank you very much. That's good. I was trying to do a signal there. It wasn't working, was it? The uh... that was a little signal to the sound man. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, it's quite hard to make an entrance when you've got to come up a ladder at the start. That's not. Yeah, that doesn't usually happen. <laughs> uh, but I think I did well. I did well coming up there and I made it look uh, professional. So it's lovely to be here in Clevedon. Yeah. I've always, I've always dreamed of playing here. So uh, <laughs> I grew up nearby. I grew up in uh, Cheddar in Somerset. So, uh, you know, we probably played you at sport at school, didn't we? So I hate you all. Clearly, I didn't hate them. I didn't care about sport. So don't know why I said that. Um, <laughs> But there we go. I think that's probably all I've got for you this week. They weren't... Uh, it's still like 40 minutes. They weren't... Uh, instant, they weren't gigs full of incidents, let's say. But uh, I hope you enjoyed the, the little glimpse into the beginning and the endings of the halves. 
Um, and uh, there are some quite good gigs to come uh, in terms of uh, stuff happening. Um, of course, I did the DVD record last week uh, as I'm recording this and uh, just been to Sutton Coldfield where there was a quite full-on drunk man interrupting the show over and over again, which hopefully uh, that will read and on the recording and we'll be able to put a bit of that up for you in a future recording. I don't know how many more of these will do. Um, but uh, thanks for listening. I'll quickly go through the uh, upcoming gigs. So uh, there aren't many left to come. I'm at Taunton on the 22nd of May, Swindon on the 23rd of May. I believe there's uh, tickets for all of these left. Borden on the 28th of May, Reddill on the 29th, Southport on the 30th of May, uh, then Rahul Estepas starting. I've got Bob Mortimer on the 1st of June. That gig is now sold out, but there are a few tickets for uh, some of the others. Eastbourne on the 6th of June. Rahul Estepas with Emma Kennedy on the 8th of June. Bridport on the 11th of June. Where I'm doing an extended set uh, with support. Uh, the 15th of June is Robert Webb and Louis Theroux, uh, which is selling fast uh, for the Rahul Estepas. Uh, 20th of June is Ulverston. Uh, 22nd of June is Rahul Estepa, Rahul Estepa with Johnny Vegas and Roisin Conaty. Again, I'm expecting that will sell out. Uh, I'll be at the other belly doing a best-of show in preparation for my ridiculous um, 12 shows of Edinburgh in the, in the Leicester Square Theatre over August and September. Uh, I'll be on the 25th of June and also the 2nd of July. Uh, the 29th of June, I've got Rahul Estepa with Robin Ince and Mark Watson. And the 30th of June is Hebden Bridge. That is the final uh, Lord of the Dance settee tour show although of course I will be doing the show one more time in London on the 11th of September I believe yeah uh, for uh, my 12 shows of Edinburgh which you can find out all about that at leicestersquaretheatre.com uh, and uh, you can pick, book for one two three or all 12 of those shows you get discounts for three six and twelve and other guests coming up on Rahul Lester Play include Bridget Christie and Limmy uh, and there are some guests to be confirmed in the July show, so it's all very exciting. Um, yeah, I uh, hope you will uh, listen again next time. It hasn't been, I don't know, I'm going to be honest with you, this hasn't been the best uh, Lord of the Dance City podcast I've done, but I can only work with the material I've got. Uh, next week, next time, whenever I do this again, I guess I will be talking about my fun gigs up in Shrewsbury, Stockton, Leeds, and Peterborough. Um, and maybe the Bloomsbury gigs as well. Maybe, maybe. The, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know how many more of these I can squeeze out. You know, there isn't much more to talk about with from the show. And also the tour will be over. I, don't, I suppose I can promote the DVD, which we've recorded and should be out, I guess, in August from www.gofasterstrike.com where you can buy all of my DVDs, apart from currently Christmas Christ on a Bike and Hitler Moustache, which are owned, the rights are owned by someone else who isn't making any more copies. But hopefully we'll get those rights back soon and we can make some more copies of those so you can buy those as well. You can buy some books. Uh, and uh, yeah to go, go to richhane.com you can find out all about the stuff I'm doing you can read my blog there's loads of other podcasts of mine you can listen to which I'm sure you're listening to already anyway thank you very much for listening in to this week's show I hope you'll come and see the tour or buy the DVD but if you don't just enjoy these podcasts as a slightly surreal thing that makes little sense because you don't really know what the show is about I can't believe I've done 30 to 43 minutes of this rubbish, but I will leave it to you due to it. Thanks very much. Goodbye.